everybody, and welcome to the Fortress of Comic News, episode 186. I am one of your hosts, Chris, alongside my co-host, the Ludicrous, Mike. Luda! I do like that adjective. <laughs> I, feel, I feel like we, when we roll these adjectives, we get one good one and one bad one. <laughs> yeah, we do. It, it, it can get pretty bad. Yeah, but I'll take Ludicrous. That's, uh, that's not so bad. No, who doesn't I, like a good Luda? We'll, we'll keep this up. I think we uh, we should keep this up for a little bit, see how it goes. I don't know. Maybe I'll just have a whole new outlook on myself with these crazy <laughs> new adjectives. Um, no interview this week, everyone, mostly because Chris is going to take an hour and a half on his own just to talk about the new episode of Mandalorian. So That's true. We had to, you know, priorities, we had to cut off the interview. It was someone great. It was a major interview, but, you know, they had to go. It was Jim Lee. Uh, we said we had to cut him. We said, "Hey, this yeah, stuff." Like, listen, there's just more important <laughs> things in life than Jim Lee. Yep, and we had to talk about Mandalorian. Just kidding, Jim Lee. Uh, my emails are still there, man. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> if you're listening, please, please. Um, yeah. Anyways, Mandalorian dropped this week. Woo! I uh, Halloween dropped this weekend. Yeah. Right? Saturday. Did you, you dress up? Treating? No, I didn't do any of that. What about you? Uh, we took the boys trick-or-treating. Did you dress up? No. I dressed up as a FedEx guy. <laughs> oh, wait. Did you come out of, just get out of work and then take the... Yeah. Oh, that's sad. <laughs> I was... I, I actually forgot I was going to do something. Uh, if anyone else out there is as big of an office fan as I am, when we went to get the everybody's costumes, mm-hmm. they had the three-hole punch kit. Oh, perfect. So I could be three hole punch Chris, but I forgot to grab it. Uh that would have been that's a classic. Yeah. Yeah, you always see a couple of those walking around. What were the boys? Were they anything nerdy? Yeah, uh we had a Master Chief and we had a oh. Mando. Oh, come on. Now who would yeah. win that fight? Holy shit. Yeah. What was great, though, uh, how you know that I've had influence on these children is that uh, not only did we do a Star Wars character, but when we did the Halo character... He had to have. They each had to have a, a weapon because they have to have a toy to play with after the fact. Right, exactly. And our little master chief chose a needler, which was my weapon of choice. Oh man, so, you're one of the, you're the you're one of those back in the yeah. back in the day, man. There, the needler was like one of the hardest weapons to use, but man, the people that were good with it, you you know how bad mannered you guys were. <laughs> Get the hell out of my games, especially back in the Halo Two days. Oh yeah. That shit like, is so annoying. Yeah, when you could dual wield, need learn something else, like Ugh. it was over. I have, uh, you know, I you just lost all my respect. I didn't know. All. <laughs> you never, you never came out as a needler to me early on. I, I this never would have happened. Oh um, man, now I got to go back and play some Halo. That's awesome though that they have. You have the two two different generations of fandom that they dressed up as. That's pretty cool. Yeah, it was it was cool and. uh we saw a lot of good ones. I saw somebody, like a kid, dressed up in a biohazard suit, and I almost fell over laughing. <laughs> That's uh, awesome. I have another one that I'll tell you off air, but because I, I don't want to get too much into it, but it was hilarious. What's, who's the uh, Who's the green slime guy from uh, uh, the? Oh my god! Why Why can I the the Ghostbusters? Slimer. Slimer, right? That's his, <laughs> yeah. Okay. That's what I thought. I thought it was slimy for uh, someone. We drove by a house that someone had Slimer like at the end of the uh, the walkway, and then they had a tube coming out of his mouth. So they had send the candy through the tube, and, and that's how you receive your candy. Is Slimer would just puke. 
That's pretty. That's awesome. great. We got yeah. we got a few people at the tubes. Uh-huh. Most people were just leaving candy out, like a yeah. bowl. Mm-hmm. Please take one. Yep. Um, we always know there's someone that takes a few though. Oh yeah. I mean, I was one of those people at one point. Uh, yeah. um, You've grown up now. Well, you know, so we we went around. We wore our masks underneath. Mm-hmm. Well, the boys wore underneath theirs. I wore mine because I walked up to all the doors with them. Yep. And at one point, there was one that had like a bunch of nerds in it, and it was like, please, you know, please only take two. So right. the boys each took two. But I said, well, I like nerds, and I took two as well. Well, you're still following <laughs> the rules, right? I mean, come on, you're putting in the work. You got to have a little bit of sugar, right? You got to have yeah, yeah, like. I, I deserve something, right? It happens every year, or it used to, that I would trick-or-treat, and I'd get nerds. I'd get so excited when people had nerds. I would always go for the nerds, and then I'd get sick off the nerds that night, and then I wouldn't eat nerds till like, the next year. <laughs> That's usually how it goes. I'm like, oh, my God, I haven't had nerds in a year. Let me steal all these nerds. No, no, I did it again. No it, was, it was nice, though. For the most part, people were very courteous, you know, like, taking Good. their turns. Yep. Um... You know, a few kids got rowdy, but you know it's fucking Halloween. What do you expect? I uh, uh, I spent yeah, watching the movie uh, Witches. The Witches. Have you ever seen that movie? No. The one from the nineties. Um, very. I didn't expect it to be this wild. They just redid it. It's on. It's actually on HBO Max. Um, they they did a twenty twenty version. Um, and I think like Anne Hathaway's in the new one. But basically, there's a kid, and his grandmother like tells him a story about how she like got away from a witch, and something happens in the life where they have to go to a resort for her to relax, like she had some medical issues, and there happens to be a convention going on at the resort, and it's a convention for witches, but it, it's called like I for, the convention's called something like uh, for the protection of the endangerment of children or something, and it's like, because they all have a big meeting of like how to kill or eat more children. Or, like, how to... Because they, like, these witches, like, they, they despise children. They smell bad. and yeah. But, like, I mean, it's kind of, like, quirky, almost. And I was really surprised. Mr. Bean is in it. Um, he plays, like, the ho- the hotel curator. But he's, like, it's, like, a serious movie. It's weird because, like, the kid gets turned into a mouse, like, from one of the, the witches' spells. And the whole movie is just him running around as a mouse trying to thwart the witches. But some of it's, like really creepy like there's scenes where there's like practical effects and like the main witch like rips off her face and she looks like a like uh an animatronic character like from like tales of the crypt that style of like grotesque like hmm. weird practical effects i was like this is kind of cool but it's also kind of like freaking me out <laughs> um i like the I old was, creepy animatronics like yeah and it was like i mean the the effects were really good but it was yeah. just like creepy you should check it out. I mean, it wasn't scary. It was almost to the. It was almost to like the campiness of Hocus Pocus. It wasn't as good as Hocus Pocus, obviously. Um, but I think it's like I didn't. I never had heard of it, but it is up there with one of the, like the classic Halloween movies that people watch every year. So it was. Interesting. I watched my favorite horror movie, which was Halloween Three: Season of the Witch. Mm. Um, okay. <laughs> what the hell is that? The one with the masks? Yeah, with the lasers. Oh, it's God. always my favorite one to bring up. So. <laughs> Oh no! But like, I do like old horror movies, and I love the old Halloweens, like yeah, uh, Friday Thirteenth, everything. And I remember when I was buying them on DVD, like decades ago. Mm-hmm. 
you it was hard to find just Halloween two on its own. It was yeah. always in a dual pack with Halloween three. Yep. Oh yeah. It just made me laugh because I'm like, because you can't. Nobody wants to buy Halloween three. That's why. Yeah. Nobody wants to watch it. It's so bad. It has no. It has nothing to do with Michael Myers, right? Um, and the the mask had like these laser pins in it that like melted your face if you wore them in Halloween. <laughs> yeah, they wanted Halloween to be something that it didn't end up being. Like they wanted it to be a series of movies. Yeah. It wasn't necessarily about Michael Myers, but. <laughs> So like, oh, we already made the sequel, but now let's turn it into an anthology series. This will go great. <laughs> oh man. Okay, with that, I guess we'll just hop into the hop into the news. Let's and do it. Talk about Mandalorian because I cannot wait to talk about it. Um, Oscar Isaac, Poe Dameron himself, has been cast as Moon Knight in Disney Plus Plus's upcoming series. Uh, awesome. Yeah, I mean, I'm- Oscar Isaac's great, uh, great actor. Yeah, and more than anything, I'm just happy that Moon Knight. He's more than just a Marvel's Batman. Yeah, <laughs> and right. I, I'm just glad that he's getting a series to begin with. Like, I don't really care who plays him because it's just cool that he's getting a series. But yeah. to have someone as good as Oscar Isaac doing it just makes me all the happier. So yeah, I am waiting for like. I wonder how how Disney is going to keep pulling from this like pool of actors that they have, or if they're just going to maybe start branching out to different people. <laughs> like... <laughs> yeah, yes and no, but it's weird because like you look at their pool of actors, and their pool of actors is called Hollywood. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I know they like, literally have everybody. There's very under... few people they haven't worked with. Yeah, but I'm waiting for like Robert Downey Jr. to get his own solo Star Wars movie. <laughs> Or something like that. This new joke, but I'm down. Oh, like, I know. I just said it out loud. And now it just sounds so bad. I don't even know who he'd play. Just like a, uh, like a Han Solo type character, right? Just a, just Robert Downey Jr. <laughs> you just play. It would, it would just be just do the crossover and make it Iron Man space, like Iron Man. Oh yeah, there you go. Yeah, the one we haven't Iron seen Man yet. Lightsaber. Oh my god, take my money. Um. Speaking of lightsabers, Mandalorian episode or chapter nine. I guess it was chapter nine, correct? Even though it's yeah. season two. Uh, first off, this episode is like over fifty minutes long. Awesome, because we did have some episodes that are thirty minutes long. Wasn't too happy about that, but this one was a long one. Um, oh yeah, spoilers for Mandalorian, by the way, if you couldn't catch that drift. But uh, the appearance. So Disney right off the bat's teasing us with the uh, the Boba Fett armor, right? Like. Oh, right off the bat, like, Boba Fett armor... Co- so, Boba Fett comes through yeah. the door, and right. I was like, that's the Boba Fett armor. But I, I looked at him, like, doesn't fit right. Yeah, he's way too skinny. Like, it doesn't fit right. Yeah. And, uh, and he sits down, and they start talking. And then the voice, too, I'm like... It's crazy how you could, like, almost pin Timothy Oliphant from his voice. Well, it, it's also just... I don't know, they... and off because as soon as I saw it and as soon as he started talking I'm just like that's not Boba Fett like there's no way right because the show's been too good and that's too shitty of a choice right yeah but then it ends up being somebody else so yeah so like we find out that the armor was found um the Jawas had it right and he made a trade for it um lo and behold I mean we're back on uh Tatooine right so right there it's like 
we're seeing some of the same buildings that like Luke Skywalker grew up in. Um, you see, like you actually see people. I think like wind farming. I saw some windmills, and I'm like, oh, this must be. <laughs> Still don't know what the wind farms are. We, <laughs> you, know, <laughs> you see them spinning, but like they, nobody ever talks about like they're you know what are they actually producing or like where does their income come from? Um, yeah, there was sure there's no income. Yeah, uh, the the fact that uh, Timothy Olfant's character is riding a um the one of the pods from a pod racer is like his motorcycle and it happens to be anakin's old pod racer like that's his jet engine was that anakin's yeah it was anakin's i didn't or connect was... that but i saw two uh easter eggs i mean mm-hmm. that one wasn't really an easter egg it was yep. pretty in your face but when mando lands on tatooine as well and they're in the spaceport with that woman from season one. There's a pod racer engine in the background there. And I was like, oh, cool pod racer engine. Right. And then this dude ends up riding one like a motorcycle. And I'm like, they're really pushing the pod racer thing, aren't they? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Um, I mean, I forgot to even talk about the beginning of it. We got some Gamor- uh, Gamorrean guards, right? Yeah, like fighting in a Yeah, ring. with the, ac- the battle axes. Um, that was pretty awesome. And that was a famous actor that plays the guy with the single eyeball. Uh, I can't think of his name right now, but he's a, he was a famous actor under all that makeup. But yeah, like just the just seeing the Gamorreans like fighting with an axe, I'm like, dude, these are like these are straight from Return of the Jedi. You know, yeah. like this is awesome. We actually get to see them fighting. It was that was pretty cool. Um, and then you know he basically just beats the shit out of everybody in that bar, which was an awesome scene. Yeah, and I love that scene too because the the cool under pressure Mandalorian moment. Yeah, yeah. Of like they think they got him. And he's just right. like, really, guys, you're gonna do this shit. Like, <laughs> yeah. There's a lot. There's a lot of that happening to him. Where there's like groups of people that are like, "Come on, dude! Like, we got you." And he's like, "No, not really." Though he has those little missiles that seem to take everybody out pretty easily. Yeah. Um, also, the but- moment with Baby Yoda where he like. Gets yeah. into the stroller, is just like, oh well, I guess shit's going down. Time yep, to close yeah, it. Time to close up. <laughs> Let him take care of things. Uh, he actually kills a couple guys too, which is pretty. He like, I mean, he threw a guy, he threw a knife at a guy's chest. I'm like, oh, he's not getting back up. Like, I was really confused during that fight scene too, because that one guy kept punching Mando in the helmet, and it's like, at what point do you learn not to punch the giant metal helmet? Right. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Like. What? <laughs> What what was that your first option or your first thought, you know? Yeah. Um, yeah, so that was great. And then, you know, the story of the episode is they have to find, they have to kill this dragon that's terrorizing their town. Um, it's like a sandworm from uh, Dune, pretty much. And they say that they, there's some mention of like when they get to the home of it. And oh, there's a lot of, there's a lot of working with the sand people, um, the Tusken Raiders, which is kind of awesome. Yeah. And the way, like, it got a little old after a while, but, like, seeing the Mandalorian, like, the, uh, like, the, the, like, hard grunts of how they communicate, I'm like, wow, they're really just, they're really committing to this. This is pretty crazy. <laughs> um, they, you know, they go to the, the nest of the dragon, and they mentioned that, like, this thing's big enough to eat a sarlacc. So you're like, oh, interesting. Well, um, the nest is an old sarlacc pit. It's an old sarlacc pit. So yeah. we know, like, okay, we know... You know, I don't know how many Sarlacc pits are on Tatooine, but we know someone who fell in a Sarlacc pit, right? So already they're throwing, I mean, the Boba Fett armor, they're talking about Sarlaccs, and they're like, ooh, oh my god, are they going to do it? Um, 
crazy awesome battle scene with the the dragon and Boba Fett like flying into the mouth and then flying out and like blowing it up was pretty awesome. Um, that was a pretty epic scene. And then uh, at by the end of it, they wrap it up and uh, he's he's taken off back to his where his ship is being repaired because he gets the armor back. The whole point of the story was he, he wanted the Boba Fett armor back. And uh, there's someone watching him from afar. And it's none other than the actor that played Jango Fett in episode two. Yes. And he has a rifle that looks like a Mandalorian rifle. So, thoughts? Uh, so, if we rewind back months and months and months ago, we talked about this actor being in the season. Yep. And that there was... The big rumor was that he was going to play an ex-clone trooper from the Clone Wars TV show. So I saw this and I saw him turn around and it was it was very quick. And I remember saying, like, well, we'll rewind that. And then, okay, pause. And looking at him, you're like, that's the actor who plays Django. Yeah. So that's, it's definitely not Django. They want me to think it's Boba Fett. I think it's Clone Trooper. I mean, Just, either way, he has a Mandalorian rifle, so yeah. he, whether it's misdirection or he's actually Boba Fett. Yeah. If it's Boba Fett, they're giving the Star Wars fans what they want, right? Yeah. I mean, at some point, we're getting Boba Fett in the season. I know we are. Yeah. And whether or not this is the... Re- either way, like, I did not expect them to just get right into it, episode one. You know what I mean? Well, my other question is, if you remember from last season, you, you rewatched the season recently, correct? Last last couple episodes, I didn't watch, rewatch the whole okay. season. But someone was tracking him on Tatooine. If you remember, there was an episode on Tatooine, and at the end of the episode, we get what looks like uh, Boba Fett's feet mm-hmm. walk into the scene. Yeah. Right. Mm-hmm. And I don't think that um, the guy who got Boba's armor had the boots on. So I'd... Right. So it's not him. Right. So it's the what I'm saying is at some point we're definitely getting Boba Fett. This person in particular, I don't think is Boba Fett because I think that's Favreau going like, hey, look, guys, Boba Fett's back. And then mm-hmm. next episode's going to be, nope, it's this guy. But that's you're, just a cynic in me. <laughs> yeah. You're just, pre- you're just preparing yourself to be let down. If it's I've not. been hurt too many times, Mike. <laughs> I know. I either way, like I thought I, I could have been fine with them just dragging us along all season with just the Boba Fett armor. <laughs> you know, like I thought they were going to pull one of those, like not even talk about it till the last episode or something like that. So, but I like there's a lot of uh, references not only back to the original trilogy but to old extended universe stuff. Like the dragon itself is a reference to old extended universe Star Wars stuff. Yep. Yep. Um. Doing so much of the same people, I think, is not only important just to show what the Tusken Raiders are, but also I think is a hint towards what the Kenobi series is going to be. Yeah. Uh, and that also in itself is a callback to Extended Universe. So the, there's a lot of great things in this episode that I loved. And the Boba Fett is just like the the icing on the cake of everything I loved in this episode. So yeah. hopefully it's him, mm-hmm. but I'm, yeah, I'm cautiously optimistic that it I is. I feel like Timothy Oliphant's too big of a name to not have reoccurring. So I wonder if he's going to come back for the Obi-Wan show. I don't know. I mean, cool. 
last season they had some big names in there. Right, that's true. I mean, Bill Burr was a one-episode thing. Yeah. Um, and then who was the... Didn't Seth Rogen have, like, a, a thing in last season? Oh, is he one of the Stormtroopers or something? No, I think he was the... Uh, he was, like, the taxi... The the speeder taxi guy. Oh. Um, oh. So there was a bunch of big names in last season, too, mm. that, you know, came and went. Uh, Oliphant's one of the bigger names, I would say. But yeah. He just plays a cowboy and everything. Yeah. <laughs> He's just a, like, this show's a Western, pretty much, you know? It's like... <laughs> but that wouldn't surprise me, either. I mean, his... I, I, See, okay, actually, that would surprise me because the Kenobi series is supposed to take place after episode three. Oh, okay. So him, his story doesn't go that far back. I think more they were setting up uh, like how the Tusken Raiders exist in this world mm-hmm. to give us more of an idea. Yeah, because we only ever just saw him shouting at people and shooting at them. Yeah, but- what was the woman's name from last season that was the jump trooper that was there for a while? The shock trooper? I'm not sure. I just call her the shock trooper. Because she just disappeared. Like, she's not in this episode. And I thought she was coming back. Right. And I thought I thought he had a whole, like, ragtag group. But, I mean, he takes off at the end of the episode with the child, like, with mm-hmm. his jetpack. So, I don't, he, I'm sure he'll meet back up with them in the middle of the season or something like that. Yeah, I hope so. I liked her as a character. Yeah. But, yeah, yeah. such a good episode. I was so happy to have it back. Oh, so it it's just the best TV right now. It and what I like to call is the the Mandalorian started back up, or it's I subscribed to Disney Plus for a couple months. <laughs> is what I like to call. So many memes of like you know the Mandalorian Plus. <laughs> it's like the only reason I have. I really need another reason to keep it around because like uh, yeah, the Disney stuff's cool, but like uh, I'm really just using it for Mandalorian. Yeah, there's not a lot there. I mean, there. I mean, there is a lot there, but there's right. not a lot there that keeps me coming. Yeah, I, I think the big thing is going to be if uh, we ever get these Disney Plus uh, Marvel series. Right. <laughs> that's that's what's going to get me to. Stay. Whenever they show up, I mean, I'll probably subscribe for another month or so. But I mean, yeah, yeah, I still I want that Falcon and Winter Soldier series. Yeah, let's go. Um, so last week we got the world exclusive first look. Empire Magazine, we know they always had this relationship with like Warner Brothers and I guess Marvel too, um, where they do these crazy awesome covers before like, you know, they did for Batman, Superman, Wonder Woman. Now we got the Suicide Squad cover um, and it's a whole... What's that? Polka Dot Man and his amazing friends. I'm sorry. That's... Yeah, I forgot. My bad. Polka Dot Man and his amazing friends is Chris's title for the movie. But we get a whole roll call of Polka Dot and all his friends. Uh, Polka Dot Man. So it does say December 2020 is, uh, I don't know. I don't know if that's for like just a placeholder or what, but. For what, the release date? Yeah, it's just, it's no, it's just the issue. Yeah. The issue is oh. coming out December 2020, um, but they released it a couple um, like about a month early just so you could pre-order the magazine, I guess. But I mean, we get a, the best look of everyone. I mean, you got everybody's on it. Weasel and King Shark are on it. Weasel just looks cracked out of his mind. Like his eyes are like bulging out of his head. Yeah, um, Weasel's amazing. Uh, Capaldi as I, I forgot what it is. Mind something. Uh, Oh, uh, he's the thinker. The thinker, that's right. It looks 
crazy. Um, Polkadot Man and uh, Michael Rooker sitting next to each other. I forget Michael Rooker's name, but they just look so ridiculous. Like, his wig and then Polkadot Man's suit is just so insane. Um, Polkadot Man's suit makes me so happy on so many levels. Yeah. Yeah, There's and then you have, like, arms fall off, man, right? Um, Nathan Fillion looking ridiculous. And, I, I mean, we got Harley Quinn, we got Idris Elba on the cover, I still can't get over uh, uh, John Cena's helmet, dude. It's it's it, so great. It's so like, everything about Peacemaker is so great. Yeah, he literally it, stepped right out of the comic book. Um, right away, though, this is way more colorful than uh, the last Suicide Squad movie. That's for sure. And there's a lot more characters. I'm excited for this. I. You know, James. It's in good hands with James Gunn, and then and then uh, right up, they quote him right in the front. There are no rules, James Gunn, and you had talked to me about that a little bit, right? What he said about the movie. Yeah, he's he made comments about how like uh, Warner said, "There's you know they didn't give me a direction on characters or who could survive and blah blah blah." Yeah, I I believe that to an extent. Like yeah. we all know Harley. If Harley Quinn dies in this movie, then all bets are off because I just don't get how you I don't get how Warner doesn't have a tight uh, lid on everything Harley Quinn like right. yeah it's obviously gonna be a new Birds of Prey movie um yep. possibly another another solo movie like she's kind of the only thing that works at DC in terms yep. of movies right now so I think that yeah the rest of these characters boomerang maybe survives because he's made comments to make me think he's going to survive mm-hmm. and then polka dot man because that's the franchise um, <laughs> that's what they're building it upon really <laughs> but I, I think everybody else is up for grabs yeah like peacemaker they've been very very And that's something I could see, like just doing one thing and never touching it again. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> fucking weasel. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, King Shark. I I love. I hope he survives because I love Doofy King Shark. Yeah, who doesn't uh, love King Shark? But then everybody else, like even Idris Elba. Like yeah, Idris Elba's a big name, but did he sign for multiple movies? I don't know. And if he didn't I could see him being like the big shock, like the one that they killed, like kind of proved everybody like all bets are off. Right. Yeah, that'd be awesome. <laughs> like the one, the one hero everybody's like, oh my god, I just about the TC universe dead in the first scene. Yeah, like because I remember when they did Brian Will Smith, we're all like, Will Smith's living. It's yeah, yeah they can't kill Will Smith off. They're not gonna kill him, and that was also like. You know that when they signed that deal, they wanted Will Smith to helm a Suicide Squad movie for the oh, next yeah. 10 years. Right, yeah, exactly. And then we all saw the movie and <laughs> hated ourselves for it. But I don't see that same thing with Idris Elba. Like, yeah. especially under James Gunn's direction. Like, right. I, I, don't, I don't know if he has the same gravitas in the room to be like, this is the guy that we're going to helm suicide squad off of. Yeah, no, it makes sense. So I'm excited for that. Um, I think it's in good hands for sure. 
Yeah, I can't wait for that movie to come out. All Nighter Productions has optioned comic series Strange Town of Luther Strode for a film. Uh, Luther Strode, pretty uh, pretty big following, um, and it's uh, I mean it's it's got a lot. There's a lot of content there to make a movie of. I've never read the series myself, but uh, I've heard good things. I read the first series. I think there's like three of them. Mm-hmm. And the first series, like, if you can hear my voice, go read that series. It's really good. Uh, it's And it's like an old comics trope, too, of like, you know, before we were born, when they were doing the things in the back of the comics and you could send in to get them, like, x-ray glasses or whatever. Yeah. This was a, like, you know, send in and you can have the perfect body or, you know, superpowers or whatever. Mm-hmm. And he gets it back and he gets them and it, like it's him in the real world as this hulking crazy thing. That's awesome. And it's super gory and it's, it's just great. Like anyone that hasn't read it, I really recommend it. Um, I can't speak for the second and third series, but I know the first one is really great. Does Kyle Stram do the art for that? I'm does. trying to remember. He's got a Comixology Unlimited series right now. Mm-hmm. Uh, I can look it up, but it's it's been a while since I read it. Yeah, I just know, like, I definitely know of the art. The art is one of the things that pops out about that series. Um, it's definitely visual, like him being such a big guy, just covered in blood all the time. But no, yeah. the art is Trad Moore. Trad Moore. Okay, cool. Yeah, I so did not I, know that. That's interesting. Yeah, me either. This is okay. It's Justin Jordan does the writing. Justin he has, Jordan. Yeah, he has a series on Comicsology Unlimited right now called Breaklands. Yeah, Justin Jordan's a great writer. Yeah, he's done a bunch of good stuff. Um, yeah, so that's pretty cool. A little bit of indie comics making it to the big screen. Um, never a bad thing. I don't think. No, hopefully it's good because, like I said, the source material is great. So, yep. Um, let's jump into comic news. It, this is kind of. Interesting. Uh, Night of the Living Dead is getting a prequel comic from George Romero. Uh, George C. Romero, sorry, son of creator George Romero. Uh, the art will be done by Diego Yapur and will premiere in Heavy Metal Magazine at number 302. Uh, this is a pretty big deal for horror fans. Um, I mean, if you don't know the name of George Romero <laughs> and you're a fan of horror films, like, he's he's the dude. Uh you know, the whole, like, his son doing it, um, you know, I, we'll see. I, but. Yeah, his son's doing it, but it's kind of a, we've been talking about this a lot because of all the Dune stuff going on, mm-hmm. but it reminds me of what happened with Dune after uh, uh, Herbert passed yeah. away, where his yeah. son took over. Yeah. His son took over and did it with uh, Herbert's old notes. Right, and that's what I'm. T- I've read is going on here is okay. uh, Romero's son has old notes from George of like things he wanted to do with the series, mm-hmm. and is gonna is this is the first thing to come of it is an old prequel of like how the outbreak happened and where it started and all this right. stuff. Um, Night of the Living Dead, classic for sure. Yeah, one of the great movies of all time. Um, one of the most important movies of all time. Period. Not to mention horror movies of all time. Right. Um, but it's weird that it's coming on Heavy Metal Magazine. Yeah, that's uh, it's like not so accessible now because not every comic shop orders Heavy Metal Magazine. You know what well, I mean? 
and it's just I'm not going to order Heavy Mail magazine for this. No, I will wait for it. To yeah. get, it'll get collected at some point. Yeah, that's when I'll get it. And that makes me think it's not even like a 28 page comic or whatever. It's a mini series almost or something. Well, it's you know it's something that we're not super familiar with here in America, but it's done a lot in Japan and in right. uh, the UK. And like you know, when we get manga here in America, it's it was first printed usually in Shonen Jump. In I'm Shonen sure Jump. there's there's others out there. Sorry, I'm not a huge anime fan, but yeah. Um, but then we get the collected versions later on, and so it could be like they just do four pages at a time or whatever, and we don't get this completed thing until a year from now. Mm-hmm. But I'll wait. I'm not going to buy Heavy Metal yeah, Magazine. Yeah, not- <laughs> plus it doesn't fit in my box. Um, because it is a magazine, it's not a comic size. You know how expensive magazine bags are. <laughs> oh, come on. Um Jeff Lemire and artist Jock are teaming up for an upcoming series for Comicsology Originals. The comic's called Snow Angels, and we don't know anything else besides that, but I mean you got Jeff Lemire, he's an amazing writer, and you have Jock on the art. I mean, that I mean I what is the last series Jock has done? His art I, I only thought he did like covers and posters. He's such a good artist. The last thing I remember is Witches. Yeah. That was a uh, while ago. Yeah, it was. Um, and I, well, he did do a Witches, like, one shot. Right. Through Image Plus. Yeah. Which is another weird thing that they do. Yeah. Uh, so that's the last time I saw his name as a interior artist. But, I mean... That's all the information I need. Lemire and right. Jacques. I know. Yeah, I mean, whatever the title is, I'll, it, it could be called Turd Sandwich, and I'd still read it. Yeah. Like, Obviously, I wish it was called Turd Sandwich, but anyways. I mean, Lemire, we're spinning gold here for you. Yeah, yeah, pretty much. Take take our advice. But um, that's huge for Comixology and Originals, Oh, too. yeah. Yeah, to get Jeff Lemire. Yeah, come on. And Jacques. And Jacques. Oh, yeah. It's not, I know. <laughs> like, this is, yeah, they've never teamed up before, and... We know that Jeff LeBeer can deliver. We know that Jock can deliver. I mean, yeah, I, I gotta I'm, say, I'm in for this. I, I mean, come on, how do I not read this book? <laughs> you know, yeah, I gotta say, I think this is hands down the biggest, the two biggest creators they've ever had in an yeah. original, right? I mean, I yeah. can pull up the originals right now. I know they did have Chip, but Chip's not as big of a name as these two are. Jeff LeBeer is, I mean, he's so relevant in the industry right now. Like I love Chip, but he's he's not Jeff Lemire. I mean, they got Elephant Man, but Elephant Man's a very niche, yeah, thing as big <laughs> as it is. Who does Edge World? Yeah, see, I don't even know who that is. Yeah, this is definitely the biggest by far. I would, yeah, Kurt Kurt who I love, but isn't a big yeah. name, right? And I mean, there's all these, Jordan. yeah. So, yeah, hands down, this is huge. This takes them to another level, uh, in my eyes. Yep. And then, another another big news. Uh, Donnie Cates and artist Dylan Burnett announced the newest series is now live on Panel Syndicate. Um, it's called The One You Feed, and it's said to tie into God Country. So, I gotta read this. Because I love yeah. God Country. Donnie Cates, Dylan Burnett. I mean, pick it up, read it. It's going to be good shit. Yeah, Panel Syndicate's making a comeback, man. Yeah, that's pretty crazy. Uh, it's Anyone doesn't know it's pay pay what you want service, so you can pay nothing and get it, or you can pay $100 if you so please. Yep. Um, 
But this is the second like huge name that they've gotten in the past couple months that mm-hmm. I've read about. Pretty good um, stuff. Dylan Burnett, co-creator of Cosmic Ghost Rider. Yep. So I, I'm down for this. I the one series actually there's two series by Kate's that I've not read. Mm-hmm. God Country is one of them. God Country. And so I got to get around to that. Yep. The other one is the Paybacks, and I got that in my book bag, ready to read. I wonder but, how that works because God Country was an image book, and now they're saying this ties into it. You know, it. Well, so there's there's two parts to that. There is a second book called Where Country, I think it was, that also huh. ties into God Country. Okay, the same two guys. And if I remember correctly, Panel Syndicate and Image are tied together, where they get to print the print copies okay. after they come. Cause sense. I think the one that, uh, Brian K Vaughn did years ago came out in the uh, image. And if you remember, Brian K Vaughn also did the walking dead series yep. on panel syndicate. Yep. So there is a tie there somewhat. Okay. Cool. Yeah. I mean, that's either way. I'm, I love God country. So I got to check this out. Yeah. Um, and with that, I guess we'll talk about what we read this week. And hey. all the and all the disappointment that was had. Oh, you're talking about three jokers, aren't you? Yeah. Oh, amazing <laughs> how you uh, how you picked right up on that, huh, Chris? Uh, you ought to just get that out of the way now. Like, yeah, shot at the doctor. Yeah. We might as well just get rip the bandaid off now, folks. Uh, three jokers issue three. It, it almost, dude. It. I want to say it. It was the same thing that happened with Doomsday Clock. You know what I mean? First. The first, the intro was solid. I mean, the first issue, Three Jokers, was solid, just like the beginning of Watchmen or uh, um, the button or what was it called? Yeah, or uh, uh, Doomsday Clock. Doomsday Clock. Sorry. If you count the first issue as like the seventh issue, yes. Yeah. Right. Exactly. Yeah. I mean, like the, I, a chunk of it was good, but everything else is kind of relevant. Um, this is the uh, the finale of the Three Jokers issue. Um, the a lot of just dumb things happen. <laughs> uh, wrapping up the series with like letting Red Hood leave a note on Batgirl's door and having the note like slip off. <laughs> like, why would you just yeah. text her? How, you know, texting is, is a thing. You could just text her and say, "Hey, I get it." If you don't want to respond, not like, even that. Like, what's like, the point of it? Yeah. Other than the fact that DC wouldn't let you get them together, like that right. was that yeah. was the big thing. Um. As far as like Batgirl's arc within these three issues, eh, nothing really happens. She I, accomplishes nothing. Yeah, nobody accomplishes anything. In this yeah, nobody accomplishes any. Um, there's a final battle where uh, the comedian Joker kills the criminal Joker and uh, gets put away. Um, apparently, Bruce Wayne, Batman knew who the real Joker, like his real identity the whole time, but he has like a kid and a wipe so he can't tell anybody his identity kind of like joker won't tell anybody batman's identity because then they stop doing this whole cat and mouse thing and then it kind of just ends (laughs) uh so i what i don't i didn't know what to take from it i didn't feel any different about this it wasn't something i needed within the batman universe what did you think i think that this is the result of an idea that happened eight years ago right? that then had to fit into something that it couldn't fit into. Right. 
Because the idea was that there were three Jokers in the universe the entire time. Not that they all of a sudden appeared. The idea was Batman got on the chair. Yep. Was it Metron's chair? Yeah. And said there are three Jokers. And then he waited eight years to do something about it. Um, but from the beginning, I was kind of disappointed with this series. And I think a big part of that was the fact that it was built up in my head. Mm-hmm. But then as the series went on, I'm like, because I remember in issue two, I got a little excited. I'm like, they're going to make Jason Todd the new Joker. Yeah, which would have been cool. Which was something that we talked about back in Batman v Superman. Right. That that's what Leto was. And that was the only redeeming part of that joker arc to me was that thought that it could be him mm-hmm. and then they didn't do it <laughs> yeah <laughs> and, and then, then they didn't do anything <laughs> and it's also like this doesn't this 100 percent is not continuity not that that matters a whole lot but because red hood decides he's not gonna be red hood anymore we know that's not true yep uh i really didn't like the joe T- chill thing like yeah. making joe chill sympathetic no, just make Joe Chill a random dude who was a bad guy, was a criminal, and right. made the worst mistake of his life. Mm-hmm. He doesn't need to be explored any further. Yeah, right. And then I have always said I hate any connection to a Joker origin. Mm-hmm. I don't want a Joker origin. I like I actually the one thing I like in here was when Joker says, like, the one that survives goes, I am chaos. I am just unrelenting chaos and that's all i am because that's what joker is to me but then batman goes no no you're not i know who you are. <laughs> it's just yeah it's so dumb let it be they, uh you know they could just let it go and i think we're gonna let it go at that because i don't it was just so disappointing and i don't even want to like the art was good poor fabok man he's getting wrapped up into this but his art is amazing as always you know yeah and the only thing i say is that with this book Jeff Johns has gone down a tier, and I no longer look forward to his books. Yep. Yeah, I agree. Oh, how the mighty have fallen. Yeah. Um, Dark. No, let's talk about a good book. Dark Knight's Death Metal Rise of the New God, number one. Uh, this was a great issue, and it was very. it's pretty much a continuation where, where, where they left off. I guess the Dark Knight's Death Metal main series went into Justice League and that was a direct spin-off of that and now this was a continuation of what happened in Justice League. Yeah. Um this is James Tinney in the fourth, Jesus Marino. You know, if you would have told me this year I would be enjoying uh uh James Tinian's writing more than Jeff Johns, I would have said you're a filthy liar, but uh here we are. <laughs> yeah, Tinian's has stride and it's yeah. it's been great to watch. Um amazing art. Jesus Marino's art dude, this guy's this guy's Killing it. I thought it was a great issue. Um, terrible cover. I don't know who did the cover, yeah. but terrible cover. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> Chronicler. So they talk about this this uh, this character, Chronicler. The Watcher. The wa- Pretty much the Watcher. He comes from a higher order of the Omniverse, they call it. So there's like the multiverse, but then there's the Omniverse that is in charge of all all the multiverses. So there's multiple multiverses. So keep, tra- keep up with me, people. Um, What's on top of the Omniverse? Yeah, yeah. Look, there's got to be another layer. They just won't stop. Um, basically, he's there for the end of all the multiverse. He records it, and uh, but he doesn't understand what's going on. He just like he kind of like awkwardly jumps into uh, like Perpetua and the Batman who laughs like fighting each other. He's like, "What the what the hell is going on? <laughs> this is these are some pretty powerful people. What the hell is going on? Why, 
why is this universe ending if it has like the most powerful people I've ever seen? Um, so immediately he goes to Psycho Pyre. <laughs> uh, as you do. As you do. And Psycho Pyre, kinda, he like gets all the info about the multiverse from him because we know Psycho Pyre is partly insane because he's like kept the same origin through all the um, well, crises, right? Yeah, or, he's the only person in DC. I believe I'm correct on this. He's the only person in DC lore that has not been affected by the crises. Right. So he has stayed steady throughout it and remembers yep. everything. He remembers everything. So he gets an idea what what's happened. Um, he discovers that there's a lot of heroes and villains worth saving. He thinks worth saving because they're the most powerful beings uh, in the multiverse. And he's seen earths that don't have, it, it almost got too real for a second. He's like, I've seen, you know, earths end that like, didn't have anything. They were just, you know, normal mundane people, which is like, oh, that sounds a lot like our multiverse. <laughs> you know, it was a little like fourth wall breaking. <laughs> He's like, yeah, no, those ones I did because they had nothing special about it. I'm like, oh, man. Um, but he actually revives Metron, which I love me some Metron, and talks to him about, he's like, yo, dude, what the hell happened? Because, <laughs> you know, Metron died a while ago. Um, Metron, you know, pretty much talks to him about like, what has gone on with the crises and all that um, and how the universe has to be kept around. And then, and then by the end of it, there's a discussion or Chronicler says, well, it's time to make be- these beings immortal or something like that. They talk about immortality. So I almost wonder if the justice league is going to become gods or the Trinity will become gods for a couple issues just to beat up Perpetua and uh, Batman who laughs. Maybe. I'm wondering. Um, there was a really big page in here for me. I think it's when he talked to yes. So it's when he's talking to uh, Psycho Pirate. Yeah, and they do that one page spread. Oh my and god! He's looking through the book. Yeah, and now that we get like old JSA and original yep. or Superman, all this stuff. But most yeah. importantly, we get Starman from the James Robinson series. Oh yeah. And I love that series. And that's that that was a spread page that I opened and I immediately put in the notes at the top of it. Amazing art. Yeah. <laughs> um the, they do it again later on, but yeah, it's there's less, an amazing spread page in the secondary story. So there's a secondary story at the end. Um, yeah, I love the secondary story too. And this was great. Usually you get like an epilogue and you're like, oh God, here we go. Um, this focuses on where the, the Green Lantern Corps has been because they've been in the bleed. Uh, and it's a side story by Brian Hill and uh, Nick Nick Varela. Um, the Lanterns come out of the bleed. They use their, they like pull together their will to do something crazy with their rings. And that's like to get them back into their Earth. So it's almost like they create like a boom tube with their powers, which is kind of cool to see. Um it's a little overpowered to me, but they, you know, they willed it and they wanted to get out and survive. So um, the really cool thing is they have all the heroes that they saved from the multiverse in there with them. And what they say is uh, there's an awesome splash page at the end because they go, okay, okay, we're here. They see Perpetua fighting. They're like, it's time for us to fight. And he raises up a green, a green lantern ring, basically saying, we're going to give you all rings. And the splash page is amazing because the heroes on that splash page, one of them's Captain Carrot. <laughs> yeah, most importantly, it's Captain most Garrett. importantly is Captain Carrot, and so we're going to see a lot of cool heroes and Green Lantern rings next issue, and I cannot wait. Is that Savage Dragon in the middle? It looked like it. I'm super it... confused on who that's supposed to be. Uh, yeah, I gotta, I gotta look at it again, but yeah, I'm, I'm not sure. I'm but there also... was, 
super confused on why uh, Vampire Batman isn't just biting necks right now, but that's fine. <laughs> I mean, he wants to exist like everybody else. Really. <laughs> um, overall, great issue, man. Death Metal is so cool. Death Metal's been great. And I need yeah, omnibus. I need the Death Metal omnibus, and I need to hold it up like the Necronomicon. Yeah, and I've come to the conclusion now that you know, if you're reading Death Metal, this has gone beyond what Marvel normally does. If you're reading Death Metal and you're not buying the ancillary books, you're not getting the full story. Yeah. Like there's, I, I, I'm not even upset. <laughs> no, I'm not. I'm yeah. not trashing on it. Right. Oh yeah. Um, other than I'm trashing a little bit on DC fans who always give me shit for what Marvel does, but it really is true that like in this series, you are not getting the story unless you're getting these ancillary books because yep. they're I so. Can. I think there's been one that I could say that you could do without. Yep. Uh, Injustice Year Zero Number Nine. This is Tom Taylor prequel. Are you reading this at all? I'm no, I'm trying to get to it, but I'm way behind. It's all good. Crazy issue. Um, <laughs> kind of like a, it's almost like a boys reference, but uh, you know, Joker's been using this talisman to go around and infect the JSA and try to kill them off. Uh, we know that he finds out that Batman respects Ted Grant, so this is the issue where he infects Jay Garrick and he goes to kill Ted Grant. Um, and when he's in the ring, he's He's, he's training a kid in the ring. He's training a young boxer. Um, and and the Joker possessing um, Jay Garrick shows up. And he's like trying to pick a fight with Ted Grant. Well, the kid that Ted Grant is training pulls a gun on him on Jay Garrick. And the Joker, he's like, oh, well, I'm, you know, I'm faster than a speeding bullet. This should be fine. So when the kid pulls a gun on Jay Garrick, he you see this scene happen where he like shoots at Jay Garrick because he wants to save Ted Grant. And all of a sudden there's just like blood and guts on the ground. And, and Joker goes like, oops, I did, I guess I should have tested my powers. So basically he tries to dodge the bullet and he ends up running into the kid and explodes him all over the, the boxing ring because he doesn't know how to control his powers. It was, it was crazy. It was like Tom Taylor doesn't give a shit. And it was like Jay Garrick just exploded a, a young, young teen all over the, all over the box. It was nuts. I mean, this this series is crazy. It's the it's the JSA like you've never seen them before because the Joker is possessing them all. So that's it's pretty, great. Yeah, it's pretty wild, man. Um, Batman vs Superman number thirteen. This is uh, Joshua Williamson, Max Rayner on the art. Uh, if you remember last issue, Batman and Superman are trapped on the that Brainiac like planet where all the heroes are being um, uh, like robotic versions of their villains a batman's like trapped in a rogue where he has to like a rogue gallery has to deal with all his villains like riddlers doing super riddles and stuff like that um batwoman and steel show up to help him out and of course he doesn't need help because he's batman so he creates his own joker virus robot to like take over everything um so the in turn the brainiac like ai um uses a failsafe to like shoot down a Android or robot to earth or metropolis rather because he's like, okay, this is my last ditch effort. And he shoots down a robot. That's a combination of Batman, Superman. So it's a Batman, Superman robot lands in metropolis. So they have to go, go down there and fight it. Uh, it's a solid issue. I mean, it's Batman, Superman. It's, it, you know, it's like the adventures of, which is kind of cool. I think I'm enjoying it. Suicide squad number nine and 10 had to catch up on this. Uh, 
they this is Tom Taylor and Redundo on the art. Uh, Suicide Squad, they find Ted Cord because we know he's like the guy behind it all, so we think. Um, they get to the big high tower of where he is, and Superman has him tied up, and he's like, don't worry, kids, or not kids, but it's, don't worry, we got it under control. We heard that Ted Cord was behind this. The Suicide Squad could stand down. Uh, Deadshot does something cool to find out that to like everybody leaves, and Deadshot is left alone with him. He's like, hey, can you pardon me? Because I was supposed to be pardoned. You're Superman. And he, because he already has some, like, he has some, like, okay, maybe this isn't actually Superman. And he, like, asks him for an autograph. And then, you know, he gives him an autograph with his daughter's name. He's like, I never told you my daughter's name. So he finds out that it's not Superman. He gets shot in the head. So it's actually Black Mask hiding as Superman shoots Deadshot in the head. He goes flying out the building. Um, They... So, you know, Deadshot finds out it's not him. He gets killed. Um, the human, there's a girl that's like a human bomb that's part of the Suicide Squad is still being held captive, and he's going to use her to, like, blow up uh, the island they're on. And they find out that Ted Cord isn't a bad guy. He's been a hero the whole time. It's just been Black Mask impersonating people. Um, they actually do a funny Batman joke where they're like, uh, someone know, someone reads his mind and is like, oh, you're the, you're the Blue Beetle? And um, they're like, oh, I thought he would have been Batman. They're like, oh, do you really think a billionaire philanthropist would be a would be the Batman? And they all started laughing. Um, that, so that was a funny joke. Uh, so at the end of it, we see the bomb go off or the girl that's a giant bomb goes off. And Zebra Man is trying to protect them with his um, he ends up being the most important part. There's all these jokes about Zebra Man being like a joke in the Suicide Squad, but he makes portals or are like barriers and he's actually really useful because he's trying to contain the bomb and at the end it goes off so i guess we'll see where that goes zebra man oh yeah you don't know zebra man dude <laughs> i do not know zebra man look him up um and i had one more book and that was shang chi number three um gene Wen yang and uh dk ruan we, here we get the backstory of Shang-Chi and his sister and why they haven't seen each other for so long. Um, Shang-Chi goes to see his sister and she betrays him, kills him, or so they think. He wakes up and is getting uh, saved by a dagger and sword. They, they are the, they're the other people that are part of the clans, uh, the Five Weapons clan. And at the end of it, he's like hallucinating. He's like bleeding out, but he sees like stars. And then he see, like they're getting away in a boat and he sees his father like in the distance. And they're like, I think he's hallucinating or something. And when he wakes up, these people in the um, these people in the hospital are like, "Oh, is this his like other soul?" So they talk about like different souls, and they also talk about like he was supposed to be dead. and He wakes up, so I don't know if he's like teetering on the spirit realm or something. So I think next issue we might see some weird things happening that are kind of like otherworldly. Really good issue. Um, uh, I love Shang Chi, and I love the there's you know fight scenes and and kung fu and stuff like that. So. Um, I'm really enjoying the series. So that's not number uh, three; it's number two. Sorry. Uh, quick, shitty villain of the week. Yeah. Um, a high tech scientist named Jake Baker, whose body was irradiated, granting him magnetic powers to attract or repel metal, wood, stone, and human flesh, turns to crime as Zebra Man. He's a lot cooler now. <laughs> so he's Zebra Man. It has nothing but, to do with zebras. 
Yeah, but like That's the joke his ability it, yeah. is he can magnetize anything. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, that's why they make fun of him because they make fun of him for being a zebra, and then he's like, "They're like, holy shit, you actually have like really useful powers." That's <laughs> so dumb, and I love it. I know, isn't it amazing? But that is what I had this week. <laughs> yeah, I just blew your mind. You're like, I got to read Suicide Squad now. I fucking zebra man. Okay, yep. um, Batman Beyond number forty-eight. So we're at the like we're nearing the end of the Batman Beyond series. Mm-hmm. Um. And they decided they're going to do a story with Booster Gold. So it starts off like Bruce goes kind of nuts and tries to kill Batman Beyond. And they don't know why. And then Booster Gold shows up. (laughs) Uh, It turns out something happened to Batman in the past that's causing him like a hypnotic break that went Mm -hmm. off. Mm -hmm. And they have to go back and change it. Uh, So this is the first, I believe it's the first time that... Bruce Wayne Batman and Terry McGinnis Batman have met. Uh, and it was a kind of a last page spread where Bruce Wayne's like, I don't know who you are. But why are you wearing a Batman suit? Uh, it was really cool. I, I really awesome. enjoyed it. Um, from the world of Black Hammer, Colonel Weird Cos- Cosmagog, number one. Mm-hmm. It's in the title. It's super weird. Yeah. Uh, so it's like Colonel Weird after some of the events of what was happening in Black Hammer, where he's kind of in this parazone and time doesn't work right. So he's living. It's almost a Manhattan thing where he's living multiple time streams at the same time. Okay. So we get like four different versions of Colonel Weird, which is him as a child, him before he left for space, him after, and then him as an old man. And it's a it's a different kind of story. It's you know, there's a lot going on, it's a lot to keep track of, but it seems like we're gonna go and see kind of the the evolution of how Colonel Weird got to where he is in the series, because when we leave the, the book, he's a boy again and he's going back to the farm where he grew up. Mm-hmm. Um but I love Black Hammer stuff, so I'm awesome. down with it. Yeah, I didn't even know that was a book, I'll have to check it out. Yeah. Uh Savage Avengers number thirteen. Um, was the it was kind of the team getting back together to fight this giant this sorcerer mm-hmm. and a lot of talk a lot of Co- good Conan stuff in this so Conan like has this moment where he's telling everybody like hey back at, you know when we were still split up I did this thing and I had these women and he has and there's a two page spread of him in bed with like four women mm-hmm. and one of them doesn't have a leg so she has a, a metal leg. Mm-hmm. And you know something happens, and this weird creature possesses one of the women after she takes a bunch of cocaine. Oh, yeah. Um, okay. <laughs> so yeah, sorcerers are fucking with cocaine in this book, apparently. That's fine. And uh, she turns into like a Lovecraftian thing, and he decides to rip the leg off the one girl and beat it to death. Okay. Um. So that happens, and then he ends. He ends the story by being like, and then we went back to bed, and. That kind of like breaks Black Widow for a moment because she's standing there like, is nobody going to ask why he went back to bed? Like, why? What's going on? <laughs> what the hell? I, I love this book. It's it's dumb action mixed with some, you know, sorcery and it, it's a lot of that type of stuff. So, mm-hmm. and it's Jerry Dugan writing it, so you know it's written well. Oh yeah, that's good shit. Uh, Undiscovered Country number nine. This was. A very important issue. So they're in this new zone 
uh, the characters that we've been following, and they learn that the zone they're in is gives them all the information about what happened to the United States. So, you know, after they broke out into the 13 different zones and how they were built out, like the one they started in was meant to be kind of a libertarian paradise where you could do whatever you wanted. Mm-hmm. And if you read the first uh, story arc, you know what happened there. And then this one was kind of the technology zone where okay. they were meant to build and create new technology and distribute it across the states. And then there was one that was for food and so on and so forth. And then we learned there was also kind of another break where the 13 zones like didn't get along very well. So they had to not only keep themselves away from the outside world, but kind of loosely keep apart inside of the United States. Um, and just a lot of stuff happens in this that just kind of build on what has happened over the time since the states decided to close their borders. Um, Undiscovered Country is really good. Mm-hmm. I, I absolutely love this series. I've heard it is. Uh, X of Swords. <laughs> sorry, Ten of Swords Stasis. This mm. is part 11 of the Ten of Swords crossover. Uh, and this was basically uh, Hickman being like, we watched all the X-Men get their swords. Here's the bad guys. And so all the bad guys get together, and then the X-Men come to this world where they're supposed to fight, mm-hmm. and they they learn some new things in it. So it was very much a, like, let's catch everything up so we can do some action. Yep. Um, but, you know, that Ten of Swords has been good. For the most part, it's been weird. <laughs> uh, and then, actually, real quick, I read Immortal Hulk. I think it was volume seven. Mm-hmm. It was titled War World Bre- Breaker of Worlds, and Immortal Hawk's really good. If anyone hasn't read it yet? It's really good. Check it out. Awesome. Um, and then last, kind of like the thing I've been looking forward to for a while: uh, Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles: The Last Ronin, number one. Mm-hmm. Uh, this was the big like Eastman and Laird coming back to do the turtles together. Yep. Uh, and I'll say one: it's. 100% it's Eastman and Laird doing Dark Knight Returns. Oh my god. It's one turtle is left and he has to go out and he decides he's going to go out on a mission to sit, re, get revenge for his brothers that died in combat. And he sneaks into this you know metropolis that's gated away from people. Uh, there's even like hints towards Dark Knight Returns, like you see a character that's a Cyclops, uh, like in Dark awesome. Knight Returns. That's awesome. Uh, and it's very much like that internal monologue. He's trying to do this stuff. He's on a suicide mission, and he's going to do it. Uh, awesome. And it doesn't end well, and we get to learn who the last turtle is. Mm. Well, I'll share with you off-air if you want, but I'm not going to spoil it. Okay. Um, I'll just say that this book brought me so much joy. I'll have to check it out. It sounds awesome the way you described it. Yeah. I didn't know Um, they were going that route with it. Yeah. And it's it's funny because I read that and I was like, this is Dark Knight Returns. Mm -hmm. And then started because I was trying to keep away from the websites because everybody was trying to spoil it. Right. And then I read a few and people were like, yeah, you know, Eastman Laird built themselves off of making turtles based off of uh, Frank Miller's Daredevil. Mm -hmm. And now they're doing Frank Miller's Dark Knight Returns. I was like, I'm not the only one who caught that. Yeah, makes sense. <laughs> but 
really, really good. If you can get your hands on it, it's a great book, and I super, super enjoy it. Awesome. So, Mike, that was everything I had. Uh, where can people find you on the internet? You can find me at Fortress Ricker on Twitter. Where can they find you and or the show? They can find me at Fortress Chris on Twitter or at my website, chrisrunt.com. Uh, also, you can follow the show at fortresscomicnews.com. Remember, everybody, uh, five stars in the podcatcher of your choice. Like, subscribe, share, and comment down below if you're watching us on the YouTubes. And if you want to go the extra mile, patreon.com slash fortresscomicnews. I want to thank you all so much for listening, and we will see you next week. <laughs>